calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, you're back in the IGN UK podcast zone. We're always here, sitting, waiting, willing you to come back week after week. It's Cardi with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you sound great. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100%. Well, we've got an email about that later on. Yeah, let's... <laughs> really? Yes. Not Matt, GP. how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Great, I'm Joe, just in case you didn't know. It's the best three you could possibly have. <laughs> oh, I'm Dale's just waiting, waiting to see in. whether Dale's angry or he agrees. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start by talking about a brand new Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker trailer. Because mm. you've got to have an opinion, unless you're like Alex... And you don't want one. Yeah. Purposely some people, opinionless. Well, I kind of, I, I am with some of those people that I, I love a good trailer, so I mm -hmm. watch them, but I'm some of those people who don't want to know anything, want to go in blind. Well, I also think Star Wars trailers in particular in recent years are very good at hiding what the film is mm. about. And personally. misdirecting. Yes. Uh, but if you, like Alex, don't want to hear anything about Star Wars new trailer, uh, you can skip. We're going to do this for exactly seven minutes. We're on a timer. So if you skip Just to the exactly, Star Wars section, not the whole podcast. Yeah, it will be uh, longer than seven minutes. <laughs> just. Uh, I'll say three, two, one, go. And on go, you can skip forward exactly seven minutes and we'll be mm. wrapping up. Promise. All right. So three, two, one. Star Wars. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you boys think? I think it looks amazing. I think it looks brilliant. I'm well up for it. I can't wait. It's only two months away. Yeah. We've got our tickets. We have. Yeah, already Ooh. born. Day one, baby. 9.30 uh, in the morning. That's oh, early yes. for me. I um, mean, I start work at that time every day. Well, you get in late every day. <laughs> I get in 9.30 on the jot. That's not late. Everyone I, else is I, early by 15. I will be pointing out every time <laughs> you you're not on the You don't arrive, though, <laughs> to a John Williams score. No, but so I should. <laughs> in my own head, I do. Um... So how what last Jedi feelings? Uh, so when I initially saw it, really didn't like it. Yeah. Watched it for a second time two weeks later, really liked it. You're the same as Alex. I really liked it. Didn't love it, and mm -hmm. I'm still in that boat. I think there are a couple of problems with it, but I do really mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. I've still only seen it once, but I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So the, basically, what I'm interested in is how far this runs with it, and mm. it does look as though, at least like the clips we're seeing, 
it feels quite separate. Like we're not be we're not seeing at the moment. Like here is the precise run on from what you finished the last Jedi knowing. No. It feels like very disparate, like scattershot. Yeah, I think they're gonna have that time jump, especially with Ray's training. She's gonna. I think we're gonna turn up at the start of this film, little montage, and she'll be proper powerful. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and well, I feel like they're sharing. The Force Awakens was... I really enjoy The Force Awakens, but I do think it was safe. Yes. Even in the way it was shot, I think it's quite safe. Whereas The Last Jedi, some of those shots don't normally sure. belong in a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. They've like, some incredible looking yeah. cinematography. And I, even in this trailer, there's echoes of that, I think, already. Well, what I really like about this is that it has... I'm a proper Return of the Jedi apologist. I think that's actually the best of the original trilogy. I, it was when I was a kid. Um, I still love like it. Like the Ewok stuff, notwithstanding, there's the best action... Mm-hmm. And all the best, like, the green lightsaber. come up and stuff, huh? The green lightsaber makes everything So, better. so much good shit in that. Um, and I have echoes of that feeling of, like, you get those moments where you're like, this is proper nerd fantasy, where mm. it's, like, all the ships and all the stuff. Yeah, like, like, that looks like you'll the, the big end battle similar to Jedi, when those horse things are so riding on a star destroyer i'm well into so i basically the stuff that i don't like in last jedi is the stuff that was at the casino because i think all the finn stuff is rubbish yeah he's basically and i wasn't into in the racing dogs sort of stuff mm-hmm. but seeing them on horses charging what looks like almost like on the surface of a star destroyer mm. it's got it's where lord of the rings meets sci-fi right and that is exactly the sort of things i like from star wars mm-hmm. when you get that it's a science fantasy yeah. and that feeling of anything that's got a cavalry charge is something that I love <laughs> yeah. and like you have, we haven't had that in Star Wars really so yeah. and I know it's this is good. this is the longest Star Wars film by I think mm-hmm. two minutes uh, is it? it's two and a half hours long <laughs> but it's still even from that trailer it looks like they've got a lot to fit in yeah, yeah. well what I like is that um, all Star Wars trailers by dint of not giving anything away are now basically tone poems where mm-hmm. people just go I'm sad but not for long. Yeah. Goodbye, Force, and stuff. And then you get this one bit with C-3PO where it becomes very clear what's going on or what appears to be going on. Yeah. And it's made everyone on the internet cry despite it being fucking <laughs> Anthony Daniels yeah. saying something, which seems like an impossibility. <laughs> the idea that he could ever elicit emotion is insane. I know, right? And genuinely, so like watching it, I I have a, I've had a lump in my throat. Like the mm. first time I watched it, I was on the point of almost tearing up, and sort of like I. Uh, it reminds me more in that way of sort of like the last Jedi trailer I thought was really entertaining, but when I saw the Force Awakens trailer, that was yeah. something. And this obviously has the nostalgia element of it because it is so close to feeling like traditional Star Wars mm. but also it's like you know that this is I know that there's going to be lots more Star Wars films in the future but this is the last of these ones yeah. you know the Skywalker saga is about to end mm. maybe that's, well <laughs> I hope that that's the thing that they pull through on this yeah. like, the version of the theme they use at the end God. of the trailer is amazing I love it I want that in it, my ears it all is the time. very good does it you were saying because you love the Rogue One piano piano um, the, the Imperial March um, which they did for the mm. Rogue One trailer and it's a shame that they never used that in Rogue One because I find that because I quite like Rogue One, but what it doesn't have is it's got a unique shooting style. It doesn't have a unique orchestral style. And I wish that these films were a little bit different from the classic John Williams. I know why, but mm, yeah. to have this version of it being that soundtrack, you know, that proper, this is the end, yeah. that would be lovely. There's a lot of great stuff in that trailer, but like one thing we haven't seen, which they 
I think they briefly showed in the last trailer was the Knights of Red, and I thought they mm-hmm. might actually feature, mm. but I'm starting to think they maybe are just this slightly inconsequential mm. backstory yeah. and not a prophet. Like, I'm now reversing my whole theory of Ray being a former Knight of Ren. <laughs> Still could happen. I do like that theory, though. I think That's it should cool happen. But I do like whatever's going on here. It looks like, I think anyway, it looks like that one shot where it looks like Kylo Ren and Ray are working together. Mm. It looks like they're destroying Vader's helmet. Well, they're destroying something that's holding up Vader's yeah. helmet. Like, yeah. It seems very clear that that is to me. But yeah. whether it's... Obviously, the last one got a bit sort of hooky-kooky, mind mm. palace business. Well, like, especially in the last episode, they are working together for one scene. But by the end of it, he is telling her to kill him. Uh, yeah. He, her, uh, he is telling them to kill her again, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So... They're back to switch. That was my main problem with Last Jedi. Is I thought it was really entertaining, but ultimately, I thought everyone's character situation was pretty much the same as when the film yeah. started. Mm. And there, there wasn't was also- much growth, apart from Ray becoming stronger. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much growth for anyone else. Yeah, I mean, especially the Finn stuff and Finn Poe is Dameron, mass- yeah. not really. Finn is hugely underserved, and I think that's a massive shame because I love Finn, um, and I don't think he gets a lot of good stuff aside. His stuff with Rose could have been interesting. I don't think it pays off. Yeah. Um, I still have I have a lot of faith in JJ Abrams. I think he's a very good filmmaker, and I'm I feel like they pull it back. I think he's going to have something great. Well, it is confusing to me that Finn's like just fine in this mm-hmm. you're like mm. well, what's the point then <laughs> well, I thought that would have been at the end of Last Jedi I thought that would be a great moment for him sacrificing because that gives him an arc and a yeah. purpose yeah. but they bottled it mm-hmm. in my eyes or maybe he just dies now maybe he does him and 3PO die hugging Ooh. Mm. I know mean, 3PO's getting red well, eyes when's Phasma coming back she ain't <laughs> she didn't get it she they, didn't get a good end they destroyed she? it We've got 10 seconds to fill, boys. Um, Palpatine's back, isn't he? Oh, Is well. he a ghost or a mech? Ghost or mech? Ghost. Ghost. I'm going ghost mech. And that <laughs> is it. Welcome back, you boring bastards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just watch trailers. It's, well, it's fine. Is the, is the force not with you? Clearly not. No. Uh, from one interplanetary delight to, I don't know, maybe another, Outer Worlds. You played some of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm several hours in now. You're the only one of us that has it. Yeah. yeah. Greedy yeah. fuck. Sorry. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> uh, well, you silenced him now. You've made him feel bad. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm yeah. so sorry. I, I'll, I can send an email. Just because... Just just no, I'm going to apologise. Just because <laughs> just I'm not feeling 100% well doesn't mean I should make others feel... Absolutely okay. not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, apologise. All right, could you talk about Outer Worlds? Yeah, so yeah, no worries. I'll get for this. So, Outer Worlds... Do you like Fallout? Yeah. I do. Yeah, it's the same game. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> but bad. Well, right. Yes. Yeah, so do you like? Did you enjoy Fallout Four? Because some people didn't. I do like. So um, I, yeah, I think Fallout Four is the better one that Bethesda have done. I know some people think Three is the better one. I still for me, think it was Three is better. But I find it. I tried to go back to Three maybe a year ago. That is not that game looked much better in my head. It's a game of its time. <laughs> it is Very murky. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is not made by Bethesda. This is made by Obsidian, who yes. made Fallout New Vegas, which, which is, is my good. favorite um, Fallout game. Um, so the interesting thing is, is so I had a very different opinion to the Outer Worlds in my first two hours of it than I have now, and I'm about nine hours into it. And I found it very, very difficult for those first two hours to get over the fact that it is for 
90% of its DNA, it's just Fallout. The mm. presentation of the game is almost entirely Fallout. The like the way that menus operate are so similar. Like the weight menu well, when you go... Yeah, character mod, they all look like Fallout characters. Yeah, um, sort of like when you go to a computer terminal, it does that thing where it locks you into the computer oh, right, and yeah. you interact. And even it sounds very similar when you're tapping through it. When you have a conversation with a person, the like the dialogue tree system is almost identical. And combat feels... It's, it's got no vats. You have a slow down time mechanic instead. Yeah. But that feels like it's there because you can't um, put a trademark and a copyright on first-person shooting mechanics, but you can on vats. Mm. So they just found something else. But like even the way the camera moves feels like... The way your character and camera moves is identical in feeling. And so for those first two hours, it's a bit like... I, I think of a lot of Obsidian. Like, I like them as a development house. And it's like, why are you just making a game that Bethesda invented? Like, I get when you made New Vegas where you do this, because they had like 18 months, I think, to build mm. New Vegas. And so, and it made sense it had to fit in with that lineage of games. They're now free to do what they want. And yet they made Fallout again. And that was a little bit confusing. And then I started thinking about what other things they'd done. And obviously they've done Pillars of Eternity. It's just Baldur's Gate. It's just a game that everybody on that team used to make you know 20 years ago and they made it again with nicer graphics and so that's the thing like this is fallout with nicer graphics like it has better animation um the world looks nicer because it's not it's basically it's still a retro 50s 60s style feature sort of like a borderlands kind of well like the the kind of counterculture yeah like slightly i would say slightly nauseating approach to yeah. anti-capitalism while not actually is, saying anything. Is the gunplay better than a Fallout game? No. That's always, it's, no, like it's, a Fallout. It's, it's a Fallout game. That's a shame because it kind of has... Mm-hmm. That's what I always wish, like, if you could have how a Borderlands game feels yeah, no. this, in the world of the Outworlds, then that is kind of the combination of the both of those, I think, to make a, yeah. a brilliant game. No, not a shooter in the slightest. It is an RPG first and foremost. It just happens that you shoot things with very little feedback. Does dialogue have more... So Fallout games, mm-hmm. dialogue does matter, but yep. can you actually get... You can never really circumvent whole situations through talking right. and whole missions so you here we go end up well, killing new, someone new normally. vegas you could you can yeah yeah so this is where i start to suddenly get into it because sort of two hours in you get over the fact that you're kind of like oh i'm just playing a very very similar game and then you start to see the nuances and the things that make an obsidian game an obsidian game and a lot of that is to do with dialogue and writing i think it is if if we were to unofficially included in the canon it is now the best written fallout game that the reserve has been um i think it's got better some... than one and two people are gonna be furious with you two is that. very well written i'll give it that like two two is very funny and this is very fallout two whereas fallout one is the fallout three vibe it's very right. grim and grisly two is when they were just like fucking let's go mad and be monty python mm. this isn't quite as bonkers as that but it has that kind of you know sticking its tongue out a Mm -hmm. lot of the time um but it it very quickly introduces like your first major choice which i'm not gonna spoil that for anybody but it's one of those choices where you're you think you're so enlightened to the choice that you make that for me knowing what my character that i'm role-playing is i was like i know what choice i'm gonna make then realize that maybe 
I definitely didn't have all the information that I would have liked and was like, oh shit, I'm an awful person. And it's those things that when the the consequences of your actions come up on you sort of like 20 minutes later, mm. I like games that do that. You know, The Witcher is very, I mean, The Witcher sometimes doesn't give you a consequence until that's four what, hours yeah, later. That's what Disco Elysium is all about. Yeah, exactly. And so it does that very, very well. And there was... There was a part of that first choice that was a bit like um, I was playing that just as the Extinction Rebellion stuff was going on. I was like, "Ooh, there's a bit of bit of topicalness to this." <laughs> like, obviously not intended because I'm sure nobody in uh, in the US or Obsidian knows about Extinction Rebellion. But that's a, it's a global is it, is movement. It I thought it was slightly more it's British. It's whole planet that's under threat. Well, I know it is the, the whole planet, as all the planets are in. Uh, in the outer worlds because basically oh. the whole idea is, is they're all owned by corporations and me obviously as a horrendous anti-capitalist is trying to go around and dismantle this um, not going so well for me but as it would um, but it's got lots of funny elements to it where kind of like one of the quests that you're on involves uh, someone having committed suicide um, that's illegal on this planet because obviously that's company vandalism because mm. you've just destroyed an item of property mm. so there's lots of that and you know I think you're right, Joe, in that some of it is a bit cheap shot. It's very easy to do that. Um, you know, it's just poking fun at Jeff Bezos, isn't it? Yeah. But without saying. But it is nicely written and it's got, whereas Fallout obviously is very kind of post-nuclear, that sort of 1950s style comedy. This, I think, draws a lot more from Firefly. Like okay. it's got that kind of ramshackle because you have a little ship and that's where I think I'm starting to see more big differences now. It's not a big open world like Fallout is. It's lots of discrete smaller items across a galaxy map mm -hmm. and you've got this little ramshackle ship that you can fly between them and like you can only get to places when you've got like docking keys to get there. So there's more of a Mass Effect vibe to maybe how that works and you also have two companions instead of one with you all the time. So that gives you a little bit more of that Bioware element, but it's still very much through the lens of a Bethesda-style game. I think you, can, you could say, like, well, this is just cheap, it's a rip-off, but I think the opposite way, I think they've just been very smart, especially the way Bethesda's games have been going the last year or two, where they haven't been doing great, well, yeah. especially Fallout 76 and the news this week of the madness of well, what they're doing oh, yeah. with that There was game. an excellent conspiracy theory going around yesterday that they dropped that early to overshadow outer worlds which they like, won't because this is the significantly better no, game but there's, but could you the, back the idea fire that, anymore well, <laughs> no but then the idea almost it's like this is why it's a conspiracy theory because the idea is almost not oh we're dropping our good news at the same time and something good comes out it's this will be a massive news story yeah. and we'll cover up yeah. people talking about our competitor which I don't think is the case no. but it's <laughs> fucking brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that's old school conspiracy theory but, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sound, I'm. I do want to give it a go, but I fear it's going to be one of those games that there's a couple of games coming out soon that I really want to play, and that one might just get lost for me. It is one of those things like like RPGs are probably my favourite genre, and now I'm into Outer Worlds. I do feel like I quite like to see it through. Also, it's not watching videos with obsidian i don't think it's actually a very big rpg like all the zones are quite small anyway because it's when you land on a planet you get a, a small about 30 hours so it's yeah. not epic it's like long. dense rather than broad yeah exactly and i like that and also i like that they've stated that they don't ever really want if they can make this a franchise that's what they want to stick with like they like the idea of this being they know that they can obviously get a lot more money from Microsoft mm. but I was watching an, uh, an interview they were doing with Game Inform where they were like we like the idea of like we would like more budget to make it look nicer and make our systems work better but we like the idea that this is a smaller denser RPG yeah. 
and those don't exist so much now like people are very desperate to make lots of big witcher style rpgs yeah and so i like this and i do feel like now i've got into it and then, you know i'm starting to build some bonds with characters i think i'm going to see it through it is one of those that i think will be the one that's quite easily put to the back and maybe come back to in january though so if you love fallout if you want basically what appears to be a better version of Fallout on half the budget, yeah. despite the fact it doesn't look like that. It's on Game Pass as well, isn't it? Yeah, Straight yeah, away. exactly. It. So if you're a, an Xbox or a PC person, then you literally barely have to pay for it. Yeah. Feels Christmassy to me. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Mm. Right, next. na 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 Watchmen. <laughs> I haven't seen what it, so I'm that? assuming that's the theme tune to Watchmen. Um... Okay. No. What is the theme tune? It's uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross scored, oh. so you know it's going to be good. Yeah, but is, it, is there a theme tune? They haven't put it in the no, first episode. the first episode didn't have a title sequence. Fuck. I There's got to be one, though. Yeah. When's the last time an HBO show didn't have a good title sequence? Mm, that's a good shout. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched <laughs> them all. But uh, Succession is obviously top tier. It's the greatest. <laughs> I think it's too early to say it's the greatest, but it's up there. It's the greatest title sequence. Okay. Carry on. Um, Watchmen, though. We're not going to spoil anything for Watchmen, so don't worry if you haven't seen it. Joe hasn't seen it, so nope. we're definitely not going to spoil it. But we just thought we'd give brief feelings. <laughs> I really, really, really liked it. Triple really. Triple really. A triple R. I know it's uh, not the site we gave it a six, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I know some people aren't as into it as I am. But I really like what they're setting up. It's very dark. It's what I wanted it to be, which it does remind me of the comic a lot. Mm-hmm. And it is a sequel to the comic, it's a, isn't it? It's, Not yeah, it's the a side sequ- of business. It's a sequel to the book, yeah. But, I mean, the book and the film are 80%, 90% yeah, yeah. similar anyway. It's just the ending that's different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if ultimately that's going to make too much of a difference to this series, but yeah. there's definitely little... There's one or two little funny jokes that you won't get unless you know how the book ends. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it? I, I've seen some people in our Facebook group discussing about whether the people that they're watching with can just watch the film or they need to watch the comic. Mm-hmm. And as you say, they're eighty percent similar. But that difference, yeah. there is certainly one or there's one major scene in this yeah. episode that you do need to know how the yeah, twenty yeah. year old book that I'm now not going to spoil <laughs> for anyone because you might actually want to read it fresh. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you broadly. I think it's a, a great start. I would mm-hmm. not have given it the six that our um, our entertainment team gave it. Um, I think it. I have. I need to watch a few more episodes yet. I think it either yep. has the biggest brass balls imaginable for a comic book. I think it might do. show, or it's a woeful misreading of the current political climate. I, but I'm leaning towards the fact that it's ballsy. I think. Than- it, I think it's definitely leaning that way, mm-hmm. and especially the interrogation scene that happens about Ooh. halfway through. It's got some like quite big Blade Runner vibes to it, which is what I'm enjoying as well. Yeah, yeah. But Blade Runner in the grit and the grime yeah. rather than the lights It's and almost, the yeah, like if Blade Runner took place in Gotham. Yeah, yeah, very much. And, <laughs> and the thing I like about it is like, because obviously, you know, not to dig too much into the, the Watchmen mythology for anybody who doesn't properly know mm. it, but obviously like, we do know that in that era that the government had outlawed vigilantes, so they're not superheroes because it's no. not an era, it's not a world of superheroes. And we are starting to see people, you know, working alongside the police that don't appear to be wearing police uniforms. And my questions there are like, so do people that want to be vigilantes, are they allowed to just work alongside the police? Yeah. Or 
do police that don't want to wear officer uniforms just get to wear their vigilante outfits? Because there's the blurring of the lines, right? And that's always a question that Watchmen has had is, what is the difference between a vigilante and a policeman? Mm. And there's a lot of interesting stuff there. The it, stuff about, obviously, the the police here have a big issue with the idea that they're being shot at. And that's where I sort of like, I need to see a few more episodes to know where they're going with that. Because obviously, police shootings and police being shot at is a big hot button topic in America at the moment mm -hmm. and there are certain ways that this deals with it I'm just a bit like I'll give you the benefit of the doubt for now and I think that they'll go the right way just because the the bad team in this are definitely bad people yeah um, you know, using elements. There's definitely a lot of grey area. Well, not not with that particular bunch that you're no, talking no, no. about. There's no grey area there. If anybody but, um... knows what, if anybody <laughs> knows what the Rorschach mask looks like, there is a yeah. distinct reason why it is black and white and doesn't ha and the colours don't bleed together because mm. that character has no sense of grey. He yeah. is. There are bad things and there are good things, and he was pretty <laughs> much a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest and. Yeah, I'm hopeful because we've got that. And then this weekend, we've got his Dark Materials. Yeah. It's a big week for HBO. Oh, and yeah. I forget yeah, that's HBO because it's always it's advertised as BBC over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, do we get that the same? Is that on Sunday night here or do we get that on Monday night? I don't know. I, know, I just know that it's... Um, actually, I don't think it's this week. I don't think it's the really? week after. It's like November 3rd, I uh, think. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But it's very soon. Yeah. And that'll obviously... hope Well... Not, it's not the lightest of tales, but it's definitely more... I mean, there's lots of kids in very perilous situations. Exactly. But there's I also Lin-Manuel Miranda in a hot air balloon. Yeah. <laughs> safely say it's lighter subject matter than Watchmen. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. looking good. I'm into it. How many episodes are it going to be? I imagine it'd be 10. It's usually 10, in it? HBO, yeah. isn't it? That's 10 big old episodes, isn't it? Mm, mm. Hour long. But it's the succession replacement, the succession successor. I know, it's annoying because I just cancelled my Now TV really? thing. I rushed to finish succession, cancelled it. And fucking watch I've got three episodes up. of succession left, so I'm <laughs> bobbling up. I still haven't started it. Get it, it's good. It's real good. <laughs> Fuck uh, off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> God damn it! If you haven't seen the tw the uh, Twitter video that someone made where they play every character in succession, <laughs> but they're all asking for some of their dad's M and M's, oh my! It's probably God. lost on you if you haven't seen the program. Oh yeah, if you'd be have. awful if you haven't seen the program. <laughs> but if you have, some of those impressions are dead on. Oh, so good. Kieran Culkin shrugging. There's nothing like it. That guy's got some square ass shoulders. Anyway, Matt, you're up. You've also seen Terminator, the Dark new one. Fight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which you seem pretty good on. You're quite yeah. a big so, Terminator fan. I do. You? I do like. Well, I say, we say I'm a Terminator. You fan. You told me that Salvation's the maybe the best film you've I ever seen. Fucking didn't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Salvation. I'm afraid. I think that's it's probably actually the better one out of the three that we've had in between two and this one. Uh, but this one is the best Terminator film. And the interesting thing the is, best is Terminator. No, film. no. So it's the best so, Terminator film wow, since that's two. <laughs> gonna say steady on <laughs> no um the thing is is kind of like um to say it's the best terminator film since t2 is not really all that much praise no. i think it deserves more than that uh, the more time i think about it i think it's one of those films that if you start to pick it apart it really falls apart so please read it more at a surface level to get your maximum enjoyment out of it <laughs> but what we have here is um so tim miller who's the director of deadpool has returned well I say returned he's come to the franchise James Cameron has returned because obviously I think they've realised now that you can't make a Terminator film without James Cameron it's almost like he's good at making films or, well or at least that James Cameron will 
be so angry at people for doing bad shit <laughs> that it won't get made <laughs> if it's rubbish. Yeah. Like, he does like money, though, as well. He loves yeah. a bit of money because it all goes in his submarines. Yeah. <laughs> and to the, the four Avatar films currently in production. <laughs> yeah, that's sub money. <laughs> so Cameron is... A, an, an exec producer on this and I think basically what has happened is he's been on his little submarine and they've been sending him emails and you know rushes and stuff like that so he can oversee it and make sure it is going I think the reason why um, it feels like a James Cameron film is because it's Terminator 2 like that's that's both its strength and its undoing really is the fact that what we have here is um, Sarah Connor's obviously back um, but the idea of it is is she's not the person in peril in this film there is a new character uh, called Danny who you probably have seen in the trailers and she's the person that's been hunted by the Rev 9 which is the new T-1000 for lack of has it got T like, at the front of its name anymore. no it's a Rev 9 who's naming these things <laughs> I don't know. Some... Why do the machines need to call things different things? Well, yeah. I mean, the might... Now, I can theorise that there might be a reason why it's the Rev 9 instead of the T, you know, 9000 or something like that. But that would be picking apart a film that, as I say, I think is quite surface. <laughs> and the this is the this is where it's undoing is is like it is it uses a lot of the beats of um terminator 2 so you've got a girl that has been hunted by an evil terminator mm. and a character also comes back from the future to protect danny which mm. is uh, mackenzie davis's um grace um, oh i thought you were gonna say mackenzie crook he'd be great they could do like a, a riff back to you know, his eye yeah from, i was gonna uh, say playing his wonky-eyed pirate <laughs> Oh, come on. I got to go over here. I've got long arms. See you later. He was in the territorials. So. He was in the territorials. He's got the skills. <laughs> he was also, was it the detectorists he was in? Yeah. Could have used his metal detector to find out where the Rev 9 was. Is he made of metal? Definitely. Because sometimes there could it be detectable metal? Well, melty still, well, boys, yeah. aren't they? So, because he's like, he's like half T800 because he's got like a, a metal skeleton, but he's then got like, he's covered in T1000. So it can sort of like split away from the, it's very goopy. He's like a reverse Terminator Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he's a Rev 9, a why reverse rev? Terminator Twinkie. Oh, oh, shit. You've worked it out. We've got to the bottom of this. <laughs> we so, got you, cameras. Do, do you think that they've looked at why people like The Force Awakens and gone. They basically exactly. liked that film. Exactly. Let's do it again. <laughs> so this is the thing is, it, it knows what people like. They like Sarah Connor. They like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. They like the story of Terminator 2. If we, if we just do that, yeah. but have a slightly different set of cast members. Is there by any chance an action-packed sequence on a highway? Yes. <laughs> it's the Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> um, I think, so all of that works and, and it is, it's really well directed. Like it has that, you know how Mission Impossible Fallout, you know the sequence where um, they're fighting in the toilet block? Yeah. yeah. It ha and you know how you can hear the sound of those blows. There is a fight scene between Grace and the Rev-9 in this where it's got that, like you can fucking hear, like she's a cybernetically powered woman and you can feel like the, sound of her fists pounding into this horrendous gloopy robot man that's cool um so that's very very cool imagine what that sounds like. 
Um, and you know, there's like there's there's good gun fights and like action wise, it's Tim Miller. You'd expect that yeah. from him, right? Tim Miller is emerging as quite a competent a, director. Has he got like, some of the comedy he brings from Deadpool? Not that I think Deadpool's yeah. a hilarious film person. No, but. it's it obviously has one liners because you can't make an Arnold Schwarzenegger film without them. No, it's um, he can only say one line at a time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it's it's not a it's not a Deadpool. It's not even remotely there. It is. It's quite i mean i know it's literally called dark fate but it does lean into that you know it, it takes itself seriously i think where it all starts to fall apart which i don't think the force awakens does is when you look further under the surface of kind of all of these things that you recognize you're like well well why does this happen you know kind of like why is the emphasis no longer on sarah connor why is it on this woman you're like okay so you know this is set after they prevent judgment day so why are there still Terminators? And there are broadly answers to these kind of things, but they're not particularly well thought through. So it's like, this is why you just can't question it. You just have to go along with mm. it. And, you know, that means that I probably wouldn't score it as high as we have on the site, mm. but I do think it's a very entertaining watch. It's and I the think the first Terminator film in a long time you can safely recommend to someone yeah yeah to watch. i can say it's a decent film what it isn't is a decent sequel to t2 because it can't carry on some of the ideas mm. but as a terminator film on the surface it works very well and it is it's not like when you watch like genesis is so all over the place and i actually find genesis somewhat entertaining because of that it is a, a mess that is you can glue yourself to it because mm. it's so entertaining in its uh, horrendous awfulness whereas this doesn't have that it's just a well put together action film it's just it's it's law and it's logic doesn't always make mm. a lot of sense hey, I hear you've been speaking to some people that's what? Like, that's sounding more thread <laughs> why have you taken my, me why have you taken my hosting duties well, and fucked you out you were looking at your phone I've got a million messages because people are saying mad bullshit Oh no, not what? again. Anyway, yes. Who well, you've been speaking to a couple of people in this film? Yes. So um, just just after I went to see it, um, we did we did a junket. You might have seen a little bit of that junket on our YouTube channel on our main homepage because got Arnie. Well, I say I got Arnie. I didn't have to ask him at all. He just started saying one-liners. Yeah. You know, because that's that's what he does. Apparently, he's like Woody. If you pull the pull string on the back, he's just got 101 <laughs> different lines. He I can would say. I would buy an Arnold Schwarzenegger action figure that just mm-hmm. had a hundred different lines in it. Yeah. But um, so we've obviously got that out there. But we thought you'd like to hear everything both Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton had to say. Mm. So here's my interview with them. So my first question is, is basically, this feels like the genuine, true um, sequel to Terminator 2, right? Even though there have been other Terminator films, this one is the true sequel, right? Yes. yes. That was our intention. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, personally for me, when I was watching it, the way that felt is sort of like a lot of the story sort of almost has parallels to T2, sort of like there's almost a new Sarah Connor in Dina, there's a, a new kind of T800 sort of suppose in Grace, there's a new T1000 in this incredible sort of sophisticated Rev9 machine. Um, was it kind of like intentional to run those parallels? Well, that is something you would have to ask Jim Cameron <laughs> or, or the director, uh, who were, both of them were involved in creating the story and writing the story. Uh, so I don't know what they, if it was intentional or not. But for us, it was really great that there was kind of like a film 
that was written as a kind of like a sequel. And I was very happy that Linda came back. So when Jim told me, uh, when Jim Cameron told me the story and then said to me, says, and we're going to bring Linda back. I said, yes. And I, said, I was very excited about it. Mm -hmm. What was it like to step back into Sarah Connor's role? You know, because obviously, Arnie, you've been able to be a T-800 a few more times. This is the first time for a while, right? Many long years. Yeah. It's not like riding a bike, I tell you. I mean, uh, plus it's Sarah Connor, but it's Sarah Connor all these years later. And I had to figure out what my strengths are as a woman of a certain age um, and to be careful to not just ape what I had done all those years ago, you know, we want to see something new. We don't want to see the same old, same old, which is why I had resisted doing it um, all these years. But then I thought, hmm, I've got something to bring to the table now. Let's see what we've got. Mm -hmm. I suppose um, when T2 came out, sort of like you were a trailblazer for what has eventually become sort of like strong central female performances. And um, do you kind of feel sort of like that, A, you were ahead of your time at that point, and B, sort of like what you're able to bring to almost like as a veteran of that? Well, um, it's great that, that people assigned me that title of the trailblazer. You know, certainly didn't think about it that way while I was doing it. Um, but I'll take it. <laughs> And so now it's just, uh, you know, I mean, I might have been one of the original badasses. Now I'm like an old woman kicking ass. So it's like a whole new title. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, you know, happy to go along with whatever as long as I get work like this. <laughs> At all. I, mean, I, I definitely think that uh, she um, created a whole new standard there. In 1984, in 1991, when the second one came out, and now also, because uh, I think that she's uh, a real badass in this movie, and she makes it totally believable at her age, and I think also because she prepped really well. I mean, she, she did months and months and months of training, and training with the weapons and doing the physicality and the stunts and all this kind of stuff, so she, she just put the work in it. That's the key thing, because then you can make it believable. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, Arnold, do you get to come back and play a T-800 again, but you're not playing the same T-800, because obviously we smelted him at the end of T-2. So sort of like, what did you have to think about when taking on a new version of that character? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to it because in each one of the Terminators, I think he's programmed a little differently. And so in the first one, I just was crushing things, and I just was wiping out and going after her, trying to kill her. And uh, in the second one, I was programmed to be the protector and to, to help them uh, with their mission. And so each one is different. And this one, of course, what made it to me very attractive was that now was here is a T-800 that has lived with human beings for quite some time, and he has now adopted human behaviors. And uh, so now there's this question, at what point is this kind of his own conscience and his own human knowledge overriding the machine? and the programming and so on. And so that's what we're dealing with in this. So it becomes a great suspense in the movie. Mm -hmm. Aside from obviously having both of you back, um, James Cameron is back and obviously he's considered a massively important part of Terminator. A little bit. <laughs> um, what was it like to work with him again? Well, it's, it's always um, a lot of fun. 
but it's also very intense because Jim has, you know, kind of split personalities. He's uh, kind of can be very sweet one minute, but then when he gets to work and work on something, he becomes a totally different person. It's almost not recognizable. And uh, so he didn't change his personality. So you have to deal with, with both of those personalities at all times. Mm -hmm. Arnold, you've obviously worked on several Terminator projects without him. So I was wondering if you could sort of explain, what is it that you think Jim brings to the Terminator that is so important? I think that the uh, one thing that is important is, is that he is the one that created the character. He's the one that created the original story. He wrote then the second one, which was became the, the biggest movie of the year when it came out. And so and, and, and it's a very character that he has written that made me be amongst the ten top heroes in a, in a, in the movie history and one of the top ten top villains. So he wrote it that way. So this is his creation. So of course when he's then involved in something down the line like this one is now number six and uh, he comes up with the concept and with the story that has certain depth to it and believability and then also the whole idea of bringing Linda back I thought was brilliant. You know, so I think he has just great ideas. Mm -hmm. When Jim came to you, how, how did that feel? Um, it was a big surprise. I sure didn't see it coming. Like, you know, I used to joke, you know, yeah, geriatric Sarah Connor. <laughs> like, you know, you don't really think that the Hollywood is not pretty much, is not primed to have a leading lady my age, much less an action adventure star of a film my age so that was a surprise um but i was intrigued because i i know that he is the driving force and the sort of genius behind this franchise and if jim saw it then maybe i could see it so i had to give it some thought but it's really jim isn't it yeah um Obviously, Terminator Dark Fate, I think it almost is called Dark Fate because there is an element of darkness to the film, even though it's quite fun. It's, it, it takes its subject matter really seriously. But obviously, um, these films, as well as other films that you've been in, Arnold, are well known for the one-liners. You get a fantastic one very early in the film. <laughs> um, do you think those one-liners are kind of important for balancing the films? Okay. Hollywood does. I, I've always sort of thought, hmm... Not sure that I love that. You know, you do want to be able to um, release tension in the audience when you're just like, and then, ha ha, it's a great release. But I'm not always the biggest fan of that because it might pull you out of, you know, the, the, the serious moments. But I, we gave, I definitely gave over to it this time. Just, you know, and really enjoyed Arnold. And what his comedy is fantastic. Thank you. It's really say, fantastic. I have to say, I live off one-liners. <laughs> I, I think one-liners were written for me in my whole career. 
It was always kind of like, uh, you know, because they always felt like I can deliver it. And, um, and the way I say things, it like makes a normal line kind of comedic, right? Like get to the chopper. I mean, why would that be funny? But I mean, it's only funny somehow, just the way I say chopper, right? So it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what makes it then funny. Or saying to a bunch of kids, in uh, in uh, kindergarten cop, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. You know, so the way I say tumor made the kids laugh, and therefore it became funny then in the, in the audience also. Do you have a favorite one that you've ever delivered? You know, um, my favorite of all time. You mean, uh, or, or in this movie? Uh, just in this movie. Uh, in this movie, all time. Yeah, I don't want to give any lines away from this movie. <laughs> but I mean, of all time, I think obviously the I'll Be Back and the Hasta La Vista Baby or Get to the Chopper. <laughs> One of my favorites still is when I put the, the, the knife into the guy's chest through his heart, pinned him in the pole, and I said, stick around. <laughs> and so it, things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's the combination of what you see and the way you say it then. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been wonderful to talk to you. It's great. Wow. Arnold seems nice, doesn't he? Yeah. He was a much nicer... Like, it's easy to go into that room and feel threatened for two reasons. It's like, A, he's a big... No, not quite as big as he was before, but a fairly muscular, imposing dude. And be like, those two are like childhood action heroes of mine. Like mm. that, probably out of all the people I've spoken to now, that's been the one where you mm. walk into the room and a lot of people are quite easy, you know, put you at ease and you sort of like just get to have a nice chat with them. This was very much all the way through was like, oh shit, I am in a room with Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is that this how is you weird. feel right now when you're with me and Joe? Like, I mean, kind of still, there's still a little bit of starstruck there. How but. strong was his handshake? Um, not as strong as you'd expect. Not as strong as his hug. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if he just went in and hugged Arnie. That'd be great. How do you think he'd react? I think he'd get into it. Do you think he'd love it? it? Yeah. yeah. He'd be like, whoa! <laughs> were you, were you tempted speaks. to ask for a picture? Because I've I've never done it in a junket scenario, oh, but they, that they, is that is one where you'd be like, I kind of do want a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is one of those ones where like my dad doesn't really give a shit about what I do for a job, but when I was like, oh, I'm I'm interviewing Arnie, it's like you what? <laughs> well, I think I think pretty much then like the entire family WhatsApp, you know, yeah. he's texting his brother who's always jealous of him. Guess what my son's doing? <laughs> <laughs> that is I don't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> Right, that's quite enough of Arnie. Let's get some actual superstar business in the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. It's the endless search. Who's the superstar? Me. Joe Scrolls, the superstar of games. Uh, this week we got a bit of feedback that just said from Adam Wrigley, Unscripted is the best game so far. I got two of them and felt clever. And that was all we needed to return to Unscripted, which was two weeks ago we played for the first time. It's a game in which I search the internet movie script database, which exists, although it is woefully incomplete, uh, as I discovered to my cost, um, and put together clues... What, as to what these films are, but never using words that are included in the script. That is challenging. A lot of finds. A lot of A lot of <laughs> was involved. I've not played this yet. Um, 
I've tried to make so the original oh, I've forgotten the man's name who suggested That's it to your us fault, that. the legend who suggested <laughs> this game uh, put a lot of hard work into it but I, I fear the clues were quite impossible very cryptic <laughs> except for Adam Wrigley of course um, so I've tried to make it a little bit easier and the last ones are basically giveaways hopefully okay. so you can get some points on the board okay but we'll see what happens and is there a link there is a link it's a very like it's not based on anything to do with this episode. It's just a thing I thought of. It's just tenuous. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's not even it's not even tenuous. It's just there's no reason for it to be the link this week. Okay. So you know, good luck. Uh, right. I nearly said the name of the movie. <laughs> we'll start off. Suspense film. <laughs> oh, Mission Impossible. Rear window. <laughs> no. Vertigo. No. Uh, the Born Supremacy. <laughs> no. Who's getting it from that? Exactly. It's always the first <laughs> one's always meant to be a wild shot. You might just go. You might just hit it. Eighties no, film. I Donnie don't. Darko, the classic. Ten out of ten. Joe Scripps, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> I did once get a keyword count. I think I said this on last time. Mm. A keyword countdown, which um, Gav was just like. Oh, man with beards. And I think because of the... Um, maybe they were all linked by being horror films. It was just like John Krasinski, Quiet Place. Bang. Shame that's not this one. Is it a quiet place? It is. Ten points. <laughs> yes! Fuck! <laughs> as you said that, I was like... What the fuck am I meant to do now? <laughs> I'll take it. That's amazing. Uh, oh, that's hurt my throat, that. Well, I'll do the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> Extraterrestrial apocalypse. Youngest youth killed post-theft. <laughs> Horrible birth circumstances. <laughs> and monsters vision compromised. Oh, would you have got it on that, that, do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I would, I would have got it by uh, the, the third one. I, I would have yeah. got it by the theft one. Youngest youth killed post-theft. Yeah. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> that was mad. Right. You can't write that. Ten points to Cardi right now, Daniel. Ten. Ten points. It's a, it's a two points wow. increment in this one. Don't know why. I just like it. <laughs> Female issues. What women want. <laughs> no. Um, That's very much a Mel Gibson-focused <laughs> male issues. How film. to lose a guy in ten days. No. No idea. Hip soundtrack choices. Bridesmaids. Juno? Juno is right. 8 mm. out of 10. Nice. This is a good game, guys. Soundtrack to Juno is great. It is really good. I really like it. Uh, I'll continue with inappropriate relationship suggested, mm. pro life protest, yes. and impregnated Ellen Page. <laughs> <laughs> Page is technically in it, but I've I've given yeah, myself the rule that if it's now. used in a different sense, sure, then it's allowed. Yeah, uh, which was also the same for post theft because post was used as a different thing. Oh, as is that hyphen anyway? post is, but that's still two words. It's the point of a hyphen connects two words. Doesn't make them one word. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we let you write anyway. Oh, wow. movie three, extremely moody ambience. Seven. No. Shutter Island? No. Uh, this is my favourite one. 
I have. I think I've actually. Oh no, it's fine. Rich gentleman unravels mindwise. <laughs> Moneyball. No. The big man- short. Rich man unravels. Rich gentleman unravels mindwise, <laughs> which I essentially mean mentally. There will be blood. Wall Street. There will be blood. Give it to me. <laughs> this is probably the worst one I've written. Grappler patronised a four contest. <laughs> <Sorry>? <laughs> it's patronised, not patronised. So, as in, there is a patron involved. Grappler. Grappler patronised and. A four, which also means before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Contest. Fella. It's like um, some, something to do with wrestling. The wrestler. Mm-mm, that was in the last one. It and that's where I got the word grappler from. <laughs> Prosthetics applied liberally. Drive. Where's the prosthetics in Drive? Oh, he puts on a mask. It's not quite prosthetics, is it? The thing is now, it's like, is, is this within the universe of the film, or is this an act? He doesn't put on prosthetics. Mission Impossible 3. It's not prosthetic. That's a... Oh, I know. Final one? Yeah. True murder. Zodiac? True murder. Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher. I've not seen it. Oh, mate. Fox. It's, it's horrible and slow, but it's pretty good. And spoiled. <laughs> yeah, well, if, you're if you know, if you know, you know. It's also a true story. Yeah, yeah. It's not about it. Right. That's 12 points to eight. All to platform. Platform. It's all to platform. Well. Film four. The TV channel. Gross scenes aplenty. Human centipedes. Mm. That's only really one gross. That's a few gross scenes. Gross scenes. Hard candy. (laughs) (laughs) I've thought about that film in a long time. Dental professional loses incisor. How ironic. I know. Teeth? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, that's that's a teaser, isn't it? Inglorious Bastards? Mm-mm. I've got ideas in my head, and I think I know the link. Super. No. <laughs> I think you do know the link, though. No, <laughs> um, no, nah, nah, let's carry on. Keep going. Bearded buffoon desires companions. Little Miss Sunshine? Mm-mm. What am I thinking of? You definitely know the link. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've already got that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a bearded companion. Bearded buffoon desires companions. Bearded buffoon. These friends. I don't know. No clue. Giant cat drugged. Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, um, uh, the jungle book. No, the, uh, giant. The hangover. The hangover. There uh, we go. And the final clue: alcohol problems. <laughs> Fucker. 
Uh, so what's that? Four points. Is that 12? 12, 12. Oh. Going into the final straight. Fucking gave you 10 of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> what was the second film? Uh, the second film. The one was, I got uh, was Juno. Juno. Ah, okay. Hip soundtrack choices was the winning choice. Okay. Uh, I haven't written the movie down, but I remember what it is. <laughs> Good. Employing antagonist Skull, Sink Destroyed. Super. No. <laughs> so, sorry, say that again. Employing antagonist Skull, Sink Destroyed. Uh, Casino Royale? No. That's Sin City. Mm-mm. Mission Impossible Fallout. No. It's weird how many films have things <laughs> been destroyed by heads. Mm. No. Kick-ass. No. Burgeoning friendship betwixt idiots. Dumb and dumber. Uh-uh. Betwixt, please. Betwixt. Between oh, yeah. is in the script. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> theorising that. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of things. <laughs> it tends to help. Move on, move on. Keep going. Gang warfare interrupted. Capers. Anchorman. No, capers <sighs> ensue. Gang warfare interrupted. Judge Dredd? No. There's not many capers in Judge Dredd. That's true, yeah. Capers? Funny, aren't they? Lightly humorous. Capers? I'm trying to think who the fuck could be in this film out of all the people. I just can't think. No. Snatch? No. Doobie Sculpted? Mimics Crucifix. Pineapple Express? Pineapple Express. That's four points. Oh, oh what a big game. I don't remember what you were that on. That was eventful. 12. That's... You were at 16 points. 16 to 12. Oh, uh, and the final one was Cannabis Comedy Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> cannabis isn't in there. Cannabis is not in there. They, they probably call Sweet it Sweet Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> weed, marijuana. Do you know what's amazing is when you look through some of those scripts, like, I know this is like a thing, but mm. they're really different. <laughs> the end of Pineapple Express on the page is shite. <laughs> it's them just walking away from the burning who, barn. I know for three of them. Who from... I assume the link is The Office. It is The Office. office. <laughs> Everyone in those was in The Office. Who in the Pineapple Express and Juno? Juno is Rain Wilson. Who's He's he? the store clerk oh. that sells their birth control. And, and Craig, Sonny D. And Sonny Lots D. Lots of Sonny D. And it's uh, Craig Robinson in Pineapple Express. There we go. It is. He plays. He does. Matheson. I think it's Matheson. I love that film. Good game. It is a good game. I think you both did very well. I think that first one happened in a mad way. (laughs) I love that. That can never be replicated. That was so good. Is it The Quiet Place? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, Right. Feedback, shall we? No. Matt's first. Enjoy yourself. Oh, look at this. What we got? I haven't cut these down, so who knows? (laughs) Right. Well... This one comes in from Pratik. Hi all. On last week's podcast, you had feedback on the topic of underappreciated games, and with that, I'd like to suggest Warhawk on PS3. Do you remember Warhawk? I do control it with your your six I do not. I remember he was. Wasn't he a PlayStation All Stars character? Warhawk. Guys, like the pilot. Yeah, the pilot from. I'm sure he was. Is it Gus? Gustav, I am I making that up? Not a clue. Shall I look it up? Been a very long time. I may be making that up. I'll carry on. 
It's one of my favorite games of the last generation, and I played it so much that it caused my PS3 to, to YLOD, which was Yellow Light of Death, was oh, it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, Warhawk was an online third-person shooter which allowed for battles with up to 32 people where you can fight it out on foot, drive jeeps, tanks, and fly planes all within the same match. And I think a Warhawk was like a specific type of fighter plane in yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was like a futuristic plane. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things about it was that it allowed local split screen online so that myself and up to three other friends could play split screen with everyone else online, which is a feature that I wish other games would include. I'd gladly have that if it meant reduced graphics. Anyway, they did a spiritual successor called Starhawk, but it, list, it lost a it, but it missed a lot of the magic. I'm hoping for a remaster, which I would no doubt buy on day one. Thanks. I never played it. I, I never played Warhawk. I remember it coming out and being like, I wish I had a PS3 to play that. Mm -hmm. And one of my mates got obsessed with Starhawk for a short period of time, really? like really late. And <laughs> I think he got into it and found out there was still like a really big online, mm -hmm. like dedicated online yeah. community, which sounded quite fun. Yeah, that uh, stuff about um, the split screen multiplayer, I used to be able to do that with Halo 3, I mm. think it was, I could, but I don't know if that was if you could do that with the competitive multiplayer but I can remember two people in my flat at uni playing um, split screen um, co-op and two people from another flat joining with us oh. and that was really nice it was four player but only on two machines that is cool that was cool I I, uh, Warhawk reminds me of Warframe which I always I've been hearing lots of good things about recently weirdly because it's been out a long time yeah but. it's one of like the so I don't play it but I have a lot of admiration for Digital Extremes because that is a game that started as sort of like effectively a shit corridor shooter and is now like a full on Destiny I MMO like Destiny, yeah. Isn't it? yeah I installed it about two months ago mm -hmm. and still haven't started it I just wanted to check out what I it think was it's like very complicated to play now yeah. like I can remember sort of in my previous job trying to find people that knew about it to write guides mm. and it's like there are plenty of people that know about it but they're sat for 2,000 hours a, a month playing it therefore yeah. don't want to write about it well it's yeah. like one of those it's the only games game of service I've seen maybe barring Eve but even then not to this level where it just regularly changes what the game is oh, yeah, so it's like, like open it well, added, not open world but open environments it added an open world area mm -hmm. It's adding, like, or has recently added full space combat stuff. Uh, Railjack, I think it is, where you get yeah. to, you're on, like, opposing uh, flying dreadnoughts and you get to, like, broadside into it's each mad. other. And, and like, it's all crazy. these crazy bullshit things. Mm -hmm. It sounds great. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't more games? Well, I guess I know why, because it's yeah. insane. But <laughs> games, like, yeah. games of service that just mm -hmm. go. By the way, here's a whole different yeah. game. Yeah. Like, we've been playing the Rainbow Six Halloween thing today. It's very good. Which is a really fun Rainbow Six theme, horror-themed version of hide-and-seek. Yeah. And it's like... It's just hilarious. I just... <laughs> I would love that to be in the game the whole time. Just every so often cool yeah. off and have a really quick game of hide-and-seek. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a game fundamentally built around shooting, and it's a mode that has no guns. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> and it's funny. I think it's so good. Was I completely wrong about PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale? Uh, I couldn't find any mention of his name anywhere. Unbelievable. You could look it up, but I, I couldn't I got my phone be bothered. Oh, well. Feedback too. Yeah. Uh, this is aimed... Mostly a Cardi. Oh, God. Um, I'm sorry. He's saying nice thing. I'll read these. They aren't about me. If they're nice fun. about me, I want to. Well, you, we'll get to you. First of all, I just want to say, oh, this is Aidan McCann. First of all, I just wanted to say thank you for all the high quality work that you do. The podcast is a genuine highlight of my week and has been and has been for me for about five years now. I've really enjoyed listening to the different lineups down the years. And I think that Matt and Jesse are both excellent additions to the podcast. Uh, like most listeners... <laughs> 
I question this sentiment. I feel that I have a vested interest in the well-being of you boys. <laughs> Is this about me now? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's my paternal instinct that kicked in with the birth of my son a few months ago. Congratulations. But I am very worried about young Simon Cardi. Jesse, it's just a turn of phrase. I know that you're very young. <laughs> And then this bit is directed. I'm going to look straight at you while I oh, wake. I'm going to move this. No, don't do that. You might disrupt right. everything. <clears throat> Cardi. Hello. You seem to be very tired a lot of the time. I, I'm a naturally yawny person. This also seems to affect the quality of your punmanship and ability to segue seamlessly from one topic to another. Wow. Have you tried giving yourself a self-imposed curfew? <laughs> or using meditation apps like Headspace or Calm? So you can get a good night's sleep. I, I should go to bed earlier. I'm not. I'm not into meditation myself. Too busy playing Apex, aren't we? That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I I always aim like I'm always in bed at like twelve, but then I don't normally get to sleep till like one, which is a problem. Yeah, so go to bed earlier. Anyway, reading before no, bed no, no, no. is always effective. Do you um, know what? I used to do that a lot, and I've I've stopped doing that. I'll admit. I'll admit. I'll admit that I've stopped doing that, and I should be going back to reading more. Well, how about this? Personally, I like listening to a familiar comedy as I drift off. I find as long as I don't look at a bright screen and just listen, it helps me settle. Yeah, I get that. I might audiobooks are good. I haven't listened to an audiobook in quite a while, but uh, I might I may start reading again. I've been meaning to get in some graphic novels again. Uh, I'm gonna. I've never read Court of Owls, so I'm gonna read that. The old Batman. I feel like graphic novels are a good way to not feel annoyed that you fell asleep mid sentence because then it's like quite segmented in a way you can and graphic. Yeah. So it lets you know where you were at. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's all from Aiden. Thanks again for quality output. Keep up the good work and look after yourselves, Aiden McCann. Thank you for your concern, Aiden. I'll take the advice on board. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I I don't value sleep enough, and that's something I have to confront every day and look in the mirror more often. I think. Well, yeah, we all tell you that you're constantly too tired, but no, it doesn't matter what we think. I always get my work done. That's the main thing. Well, it's questionable. Uh, he also congratulates Dale on his recent wedding, and he hopes that married life is treating him well. I'll let Dale answer that himself I mean, he's in the future. a lot more tired. So. Is he? <laughs> no, no. What's he up to? <laughs> I don't know. What are you saying he's doing? <laughs> Staying up too late. Awful bastard you are. What? Number three. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'll do some... Maybe I'll read this one in bed tonight. I'll yeah, just yeah, save I love myself. myself. Fall asleep <laughs> to some IGN UK yeah. feedback. Um... It says, hi all, my name is Jesse, and I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Wow. Hello. So that's not Jesse that's on the podcast, it is Jesse from Dayton, Ohio. Where is Ohio? Ohio is pretty much bang in the middle, isn't it? Is it? Super middle. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be. Anyway, it's a long time listener, first time caller. Hello. So I don't know if this was some sort of text-to-speech situation. That would be quite good. We should have that. Another podcast I was on used to have a voicemail inbox. Well, I was recently listening to, uh, like, the first ten episodes of this podcast for Podcast 500 to get clips. They had a bit where they set up a voicemail messenger and had people leave questions. Kind of it was a mixed idea. bag. Yeah, <laughs> but it would be funny. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It's a lot of trust you're placing in people. Though, Let's consider it? that. Maybe we will. Uh, anyway. Been a huge fan of podcasts for years, and it's always getting better. Losing Greg Miller and Gav was upsetting, but IGN somehow found people just as funny. Wow. Just as funny as Gav, can you imagine? I know, it's incredible. I know. And Greg Miller, never never actually met him, but... It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> See what you've done there. Mm-hmm. See what you've done there. It says, looking at you, Matt Scofield, and you, Mr. Scrabbles. Hello. Hello. <laughs> on an equal plane. How's that make you feel? Huh? You and Max in the same sentence. And successing Gav. Yep. 
succeeding, Gav. Succeed. Uh, <laughs> this is all this fucking script <laughs> business. I'm trying to find new words for words I don't need to get rid of. Uh, I know you don't like the nice stuff, but I'm going to carry on. You guys never cease to entertain, which makes you, which makes work. Ah, I'm not well. <laughs> you fucking not. <laughs> You guys never cease to entertain, which makes work much more manageable. So a huge thank you to all you guys who make it happen. I like helping people manage yeah. work. Anyway, his question is about books, specifically novelizations. Okay. Here we go. Control has become one of my favourite games. It's moody, haunting, and just sticks with me long after I put down the controller. I would agree. Mm-hmm. It's a very good game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt that my mum wanted to name me Jesse Dillon which I found incre- incredibly creepy during a particular cutscene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had this with a game. Um, so I thought it was like reading my data on my computer. So <laughs> gone home. Yeah. If you go around that house, yeah. there's a portrait and um, it says mum and dad, Terry and Janet. Those are my parents' names. That's cool. <laughs> and it's really creepy. <laughs> I, and it turns out the parents in that game are the same name as mine. And they're not two overly common names either. No. Especially say, combined. I'd say they're both more, maybe not Janet actually. I was thinking they're both more American-y names. Yeah. But that's, I was really, so I like, I was really, I remember asking someone else who's playing, like, are they the same names in your game? Like, yeah, I was like, okay, that's just a really, really good <laughs> What I'd love well, is that I'd you went in and went, have you seen that thing where Gone Home knows your mum's name? <laughs> well, I don't know if it had, like somehow connected to Facebook or something. I was like, because I'd heard a lot of things about the game and I was like, I'd ignored it because I just wanted to experience it with myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is it doing something weird like that's Kojima brilliant. S? <laughs> so good. But no, it's just coincidence. Anyway. Uh, it's twisting hallways. This is control again, man. Oh, it's yeah. Twisting hallways and cavernous rooms draw me in, and places like the ashtray maze and the black rock quarry make me want to see more of the oldest house. Oh, yes. The ashtray maze in particular mm. is brilliant. I also really enjoyed Alan Wake and Quantum Break novels by Rick Burroughs and Cam Rogers, respectively. I did not know they were things. There you go. It was wonderful getting to explore these worlds and characters in more detail and depth. My question is do you think we'll get a control novel? Also, what other novelizations of game, movie, and TV did you love and connect with? And which were utter shite? I, Stay awesome and keep killing it. I don't think... Also, thank you, you're nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Control would get a novelization just because it kind of defeats their own narrative. Like, we've yeah. met them and talked to them, mm-hmm. and their narrative plan for this thing is the idea that the story of Control is designed as this idea that you're getting a peek into one particular moment in mm-hmm. a much, much wider history. Yep. So they want to build out the idea of what that history is yeah. over time. So I could see a novelization that's a different bit of the oldest house, like what you want, seeing more of that mm-hmm. history. But I can't see a novelization of the game. I also think just because unlike Quantum Break and Alan Wake, Control is much more grounded and based in other books. Yes. And it's borrows a lot from other novels so writing a book of control would be you'd just be writing a new weird fiction but I mean, Alan Wake is in a way just it's Twilight Zone King. and Twin Peaks and but yeah that's a TV yeah. you know they don't they're not making a TV show of Alan Wake yet no I mean all, the way that Alan Wake structured it almost is a yeah. TV show but yeah. I, I think the thing is for me is so like I think Alan Wake can work as a novel because of the way we're... And so, like, it's a novelist in a novel. There's kind of a nice sort of loop there. For me, Control is much more about the... I know that it, it you discover things about the oldest house in mm-hmm. the same way that Alan Wake might find the pages of the books around that world. But I think it's that sense of discovery that you can't get if you are being led through by a 
a protagonist in a pre-written thing. So like I mm. like doing it myself and there's a sense of the unknown about that that I think does lend it so well to the medium of video games. Whereas, you know, Quantum Break is far more narrative-led, I think, mm -hmm. and so therefore does suit a book. Mm. I've never read a novelization of a video game or a film. I don't know why, just because I think I tend to watch or play things in their first instance. I did some reading around Magic the Gathering novelizations when I was a cooler guy <laughs> in my youth. Uh, and I think that works much more for me just because that's built kind of like the control thing that's building mm. around a world that's only hinted at in the game you play mm -hmm. so it's this idea of like do you want more yeah. here's how you get more yeah whereas i've never been particularly interested in the idea of like yeah. reading something that i can already see in its original the form closest i've got is reading some of the short overwatch stories and mm. graphic novel versions but of those that, but that's more extra that's not a re that's not the same story being told mm -hmm. in book form that's, that's similar extra so the important thing with like magic is yes it is a card game but actually magic is a setting yeah in the same way yes overwatch is the game but those stories are built out of the setting of overwatch mm. and like you know my example would be is warhammer be that age of sigmar or Forty Thousand. they're not tabletop games they are actually a setting and there is a tabletop game that is set in that mm. like those novels are as much as the hobby you know you can be into warhammer and only read those novels and that doesn't make you any less of a mm. hobbyist so those are where those are interested but i think i probably sit in the same way that like when i was a kid i used to buy like well my mum would buy me the novelization of films that i'd seen because they used to get like the toy story novelization or yeah I can mm. remember, i'm fairly sure i had the small soldiers novelization that's whoa. probably better than that film probably. to be honest <laughs> whoa 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 I like Joe Dante as much as the next guy, but I it's like not a great soldiers. film. It's not. It's not a Gremlins, is it? <laughs> no, but I like it. Um, I've heard the God of War novelization is meant to be very good. It's by his dad, exactly. It's written by Corey Barlow's dad, oh, which really? is sweet. Yeah, it's mm. lovely. Mm. Uh, the Halo ones are supposed to be very good, but again, that is expanding the Halo universe rather than just being about those games. The mm. uh, they made a thing that I thought was a joke for a while, but they did in the run up to Halo Five a serial style investigative podcast set in the world of Halo, <laughs> and it was fronted by a journalist play played by Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> what? Which was very. <laughs> Very strange, uh, but actually was really good. What like, were they investigating? Uh, it was basically like what had happened on this planet, and it was tangentially related to why Master Chief had disappeared at the mm -hmm. start of the game. But I started listening, I was like, oh, this is a funny little thing, and then got really hooked <laughs> and listened to like 10 episodes. I think I wrote about it for Kotaku at the time. I was just like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> like, this is the strangest way to do an ARG, yeah. get a comedian in to play well, a serious role. If you've got any good novelizations of games or films yeah even some that may be better than the source i'd love to let know us that. know oh if you want to know a shiter we got sent uh, the novelization of men in black international and i read a few pages and went fuck me it's somehow worse than oh. that terrible film <laughs> we also got sent one for the division two did we yeah i bet that's all right though it's probably just like a just, yeah. a, it's nah, just tom clancy, clancy novel yeah. yeah isn't it um yeah, the Men in Black International one is also... And I am stealing a friend's joke here, so thank you, John Logblythe. But it's written by a guy called R.S. Belcher, which is funny by itself, but it also it sounds like R.S. Belcher. Belcher. Yeah, <laughs> that is very good. Um, uh, I apologise to Mr. Yes. Belcher or Mrs. Belcher. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com if yeah. you want to let us know about novelizations. But that's all for now. Yes. I don't want to hear anything else from either of you two except goodbyes. Well, how about we play... 
a bit of music from that Star Wars trailer. Oh, yes. That's a lovely way to see out the Is day. Is that available clean? Uh, we'll get it from the trailer. Yes. You might hear one sentence of dialogue. Or maybe a, a laser beam. Oh, <laughs> hello. I love the sound of a laser beam. Right, we're going to go. Goodbye. Enjoy yourselves. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.